We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United have just eased past Fulham by three goals to nil in the Premier League at home on a lovely Saturday afternoon at St. James's Park. I'm Alex. I have Cy, Charlotte and Adam Widgington to talk to you about what happened and why as Newcastle United make it eight wins from nine in the Premier League at home this season. It's an outrageous record. Only four goals conceded in nine home Premier League home games. Let's hire in Manchester City at home in the Cup because it sounds better. Four goals conceded in 10 home games as Newcastle United get back to winning ways in the Premier League at home at least. Can anyone give us a game? Not at home, not currently. Shane Rock the away form, but we're not going to worry about that today. We're on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. Massive week for Newcastle United next week. We'd love it if you came and joined us on that platform uh, as we build up to Chelsea in the League Cup quarterfinal and then Luton and Forest in the space of a few days around Christmas time. It's a great time to join three to eight pounds a month. Charlotte, big win. Huge win. Thank fuck for that is my basically is basically all I have to say. Thank fuck for that. We we as fans needed a win today. The players needed a win today. Eddie Howe needed a win today. And uh we got one. We got one and it was good. I thought that we you know we'll get into the game as we always do in, in other parts of the show, but I thought even eleven V eleven, it looked like we would win. Um, we looked comfortable. We looked, even though these are tired players, we looked like Fulham aren't really going to do much here. Um, but we really, really fucking needed it. And we got it. And I'm so happy for, for the players, for us, for Eddie Howe. It's been a really, really tough, like, nine days. Is it? Is it it's crazy that it's only been about nine days, but it's been a very, very tough time. And it's it can't be overstated how important winning was today and winning comfortably like that as well is the icing on the cake. 30, in 30 days of December, there are there have been 10 games or there will be 10 games. So it's a game every three days. It's too many. Absolutely wild, Si. Yeah, um, I <clears throat> I woke up this morning with a hangover because I was on my way Christmas party last night. But I also still, I, I would still say this morning, I was gutted about the Champions League. It was still affecting me. Uh, even at the start of the game, when the Premier League music plays, as the players come out, I was having a moment where I was like, oh, Three days ago, it was the Champions League music. We're not going to get that again. So I was still like, still affected by what happened last week and the kind of terrible week we've had. I feel much better now. It's, yeah. uh, this is we absolutely need it. You're right, Charlotte. Thank fuck. Um, <laughs> and suddenly, I'm just full of positivity again. I actually think we, we'll definitely win on Tuesday. Now, I think we've got the confidence again. We've got the momentum um, from from a great performance where everyone's looked looked everyone looked up for it again. They looked they looked like they had their mojo back across across the whole team and that's huge because I really felt like we were losing that. Mm. So there's so many important things have come across. I mean, we've beat 10-man Fulham. It's not, you know, 
we should be beating Fulham anyway, uh, but we've beat a 10-man Fulham. It's not, you know, the best result ever, but it feels really, really big and really important and it could be a turning point because all of a sudden it feels like our season gets back on track with, with one big win at home. And mm. um, like I say, if we can get through the, into the semi-finals that come on Tuesday, you've almost forgotten about the Champions League. We, we learned from it. It was a nice experience. We've got a lot of uh, good memories from it and we will take that forward in terms of what we've learned. But yeah, this season's still got lots to play for and I, I'm back in it now. So I, was, I was ready to give up <laughs> this time um, on, on You Wednesday. look so happy. You very rarely look this happy when you're talking about the football, but <laughs> you look happy. I think we showed immense character today. I think to come away from the, the, the week that we've had, the results and performances that we've had, to then put out that kind of second half performance, a clean sheet, crucially. Mm. And we, we had about three different configurations of a back four today. Um, I think that's even more impressive. Um, you look at... Pl- People like Dubravka have had a really bad week and he was claiming absolutely everything. I think Lascelles played well. There was, a, there, was, there was strength of character and performance right through the middle of our team and I was never worried. Even when it felt a bit bitty at the end of the, sec- at the, end of the first half and it, nothing was quite clicking and crosses were just a foot away or just nothing was quite clicking. And then the second half, everything seemed to click. We, were, we had more impetus. We... We showed a bit more courage. We went at them and we were clinical in the end. And it, as, as Charles said, it became a, a pretty comfortable afternoon in the end. But I think I was always confident we were going to get there. Um, and it's very, very nice to have a lot more players, new, fresh faces on, out on that pitch again, because we've, we've missed a lot of players and we need them back for what's going to come forward in what will be a very, very busy December. Yeah, I also want to kind of shout out, I thought the crowd was better tonight as well. It was a, um, there are still patches of sort of, you know, nervousness, especially in that first half, but I thought the crowd was up for it tonight. I, I like it. I've come to really like a 3pm Saturday kickoff. Mm. And we, we, they were basically all we had before because we were never on telly. So didn't really like get to appreciate them quite as much. But I think you get a good crowd. It's a good time. It's a good time of day. People have got what they need to do. They've probably gone to the pub if they're drinking alcohol, you know. And it just, it just felt like a crowd that was up for it. Everybody around me was chatty and, and singing and... And uh, it was, and I was in the Melbourne, which they hardly ever sing. So it was, it was, it was a really nice atmosphere, and, and you know, it was, you know, we scored goals. Local, but two local boys scored goals. Like that's massive. Don't believe Eddie Howe has ever lost a Saturday three pm home game as Newcastle manager. May we have many? Maybe more. even not a three pm game home or away as Newcastle manager. That's one I need to look into. But definitely not at home because only Liverpool, Arsenal, and Man City have beaten us since Howe took the job. And Fulham didn't join them today, and there was. Uh, in the aftermath of Wednesday, there have been some kind of hushed conversations, uh, even on even on WhatsApp, even on some voice notes and uh, between friends. And there's kind of been are a people consensus. people whispering on those? Yeah, because no one wants to say it out loud. People, <laughs> No one wants to think Eddie Howe's under pressure because he's not. And he wouldn't have been, I don't think. But it was still kind of thought, lose today. Mm. And pe- particularly the national level, you would, you would see, just like after we lost to Brighton, even though no Newcastle fan... Um, with their whatever salt yeah uh, is that the word phrase? No, yeah it is but it's uh, no one in my opinion with any kind of uh passion or knowledge for Newcastle United would think we need to change the manager mm. you can ask questions you can talk about substitutions tactics fine but but anyhow is simply doing a, a tremendous do- job still but there still would have been at a national level like whispers and conversations 
about Eddie Howe being under pressure. Had they lost tonight? Because had they lost today against Fulham, it would make the case harder to say we're going to go to Chelsea and Luton and do something when the away form is so bad and the home form is what has kept us going this season at the top end of the league. We're currently sixth place at the time of recording. We're recording straight after the game. And this one again. And, then, and I suppose it, it kind of feeds into this. Newcastle, from a national perspective, go from like, yeah, you beat Chelsea and Manchester City in the space of a couple of days, uh, or the space of a week and everything's fine to you're in crisis because you lost three in a row mm-hmm. against Everton Spurs and uh, Milan and really Newcastle aren't in crisis and haven't been apart from the injury crisis there is no crisis I don't think anyone doubts Eddie Howe I don't think anyone doubts the direction of travel at the club and what I find in these scenarios at least online anyway is that the opposition all always become great you know oh, Fulham 13 goals in the last three 10 goals in the last two god it's a bad time to play them mm-hmm. It's a bad time to play Newcastle United at St James's Park any time because <laughs> we just absolutely batter everyone. Unless we're racing Milan. Unless, well, and, uh, domestically. Oh, domestically. Yeah. Um, Same. You know, first half, 55 minutes. Yeah, I, that's, that's not bad coming time. out of my mouth and I was like, <laughs> that's not even true. Like, we, we weren't completely dominated. Anyway, sorry. You're right, though. The Domestically, at least, what is it? It's, um, it's eight from nine in the league and it's nine from ten, including the, the Man City League Cup game. Four goals conceded. A point today for Fulham, even 11 v 11, would be an outrageous result. And we forget that sometimes, that Newcastle United are so strong at home, despite the injuries, despite the in-game changes, despite the fatigue, despite everything else. And and to go out there, and there were, there were not grumbles at half-time, but I'd seen that 10 v 11 scenario before, where Newcastle seemed to get worse after the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. after the red card for the opposition. Yeah. We didn't press as high and we didn't look as dangerous even though we had the crossbar. And then at halftime, Howell just makes these tweaks and changes and these things he's allegedly not good at. And he actually says in the press conference on Friday, I believe he has a bit of a dig, which is very unlike Howell, where he comes out and says, are all the tacticians and master substitution makers in the room because he got some stick, didn't he, about going for the win against... Not um, Eddie Howe showing a bit of personality <laughs> in a press conference. And then that's just proof today that um, Newcastle could have won that game six or seven, and probably should have, in terms of the balance and playing chances in the second half. And beating 10 men for them, like you say, si, it's not, it's nothing to shout about, but also, like you've all said, and you articulated right in the start, Charlotte, um, doing this job as he does is all about delivering under pressure and when it matters. And today, it is Saturday. Well, it's not the, the Saturday. It's kind of the last non-Christmas holiday Saturday before Christmas. Town is rammed. People have been at Christmas parties. Everyone is supposed to be happy in the city of Newcastle upon time in the wider region. And it was on Eddie Howe and those players today to make that a reality. And he did. And they did in emphatic fashion. And I think it's a great win to take us in the sixth place. We'll leave it there for part one. Some adverts coming up. If you want to listen to this show without adverts, it's only £3 a month on Patreon for all of the free podcasts to be advertisement free or even have to listen to me referencing them. So back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The opposition manager uh, says post-game that he believes the referee had a big influence on the outcome of the game. And then he caveats that with, and I'm not even necessarily talking about the red card, but I feel, Marco Silva, like (laughs) you are really talking about the red card because Jesus fucking Christ, it's an absolute obscenity for Raul Jimenez (laughs) to thrust his hip. And it's it's not even a head injury. It's a face injury for Sean Longstaff. Neck. It's square in the face from. It's one of the most ridiculous red cards I've ever seen at yeah. St. James's Park. Do, do any of you think it wasn't a red card? I, I, I did in real time. I thought, oh, that's a yellow card. Um, and then when he goes to the VAR, I was like, well, can you really overturn that? Um, but obviously having now seen uh, the replay, it is, it's obscene. It's ridiculous. At the time I was thinking, you know, if he gets sent off, it's his own stupid fault. Cause what is he actually doing? Why is he jumping in the air in that ridiculous so way high. on the halfway line, for, like for a nothing ball, there's just no <laughs> reason to do it. So even if it wasn't as, as ridiculous as it was, he deserved to be sent off anyway. But yeah, uh, having watched it back, it is definitely, definitely a red card because what explanation have you got for, like you say, meeting a player's face with like the top of your thigh. <laughs> Your butt. Uh, at full at full tilt, he's like flying through the air, it's and the he does. Force of it. He does retract his. He's, he's going with his foot for the ball, but he, and he does retract his foot slightly, but he still clatters through the player whilst about three feet off the floor, which is ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it. Horribly reckless, and as he, he's not, you know, he's a big guy, Raúl Jiménez, and Longstaff doesn't stay down if he if he hasn't been hit, and I think. Raul Jimenez went over to him and tried to say, oh, like, sorry, mate. And Longstaff's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and Lascelles ran a long way to, to have a word with Raul Jimenez as well because he was furious. He would have seen that. And um, yeah, justified red card. And as you said, we it sort of made things a bit more difficult because I think, as you said, up until that point, I thought Lascelles had Raul Jimenez's number, certainly in the air. And I think we, were, we looked good with, with 11 v 11. Him and Jimenez had been down a couple of times and yeah. just before that foul had gone down and got nothing from the referee. That's so what I think Silva was referencing. Pure frustration from the Mexican. So he jumped into the <laughs> air like a crazy person and shoved his ass into <laughs> Sean Longstaff's neck. <laughs> Not fair. Um, one thing that sort of astonished me, I was in the Melbourne today, so it was right over on the other side of the East End. I could see that it was a big clattering. I could see that the fans who could see it were calling for red card. It took quite a long time. It took, yeah. went to VAR. Like he was, it was yellow initially, and then it went to VAR. That took a while. Then he was called over, and he took quite a long time looking at it. When I watched it back <laughs> coming away from the ground, I'm like, what the fuck? Obviously, that's a red card. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, there's, how? A, there's a few different angles, but they all look terrible. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, ref, the, ref took a, the ref took so long to give it. I was like, I said to the person I was with, he might not give it here. Yeah. He's having a good old look. Maybe he was just in shock at watching <laughs> this man's hip and bottom go into Sean Longstaff's face. <laughs> He's saying the VAR, lads, like, you, you've, you've edited that. That's not real. Like. Can when, you overlay the, some Benny Hill music on there or something for me? When the referee went to do the, I'm going to have a look at this on the monitor, Raul Jimenez pulled that face where he sort of screwed it up just like, what, really? But you could, I could see me. in his eyes, oh, I'm done here. I'm absolutely <laughs> done here. Took him seven years to walk off the pitch as well. Yeah. Pathetic. Well, you're not going to get an applause. Just leave. <laughs> 
So Newcastle, I thought Newcastle, to talk about the start of the game, I thought Newcastle were great 11 v 11. Again, Fulham had been talked up. Our injuries, our fatigue, our inability to go again had been talked up. And I thought there was only one team in it, 11 v 11. I thought Newcastle, the press was was that kind of high press that we see against teams who insist on playing out the back at St. James' Park. It's a terrible idea, but teams still do it. Uh, and Fabian Scher was pushing up into midfield in the press and it was working really well. Fulham couldn't get out. They looked somewhat dangerous on the break, but I thought without kind of testing their goalkeeper loads, mm. I was really impressed by the start of the game. Then the red card comes and it becomes very kind of predictable. And Bruno, who we'll talk about later in the show, but Bruno is is kind of conducting things, but it's side to side and then wait for Bruno to catch up with play. Then he'll put a ball into the box and it doesn't go great. And like I referenced earlier, it's, it's grumbles at half time. And then start of the second half after Joe Linton's injury at uh, near the end of the first half uh, Lewis Mind is introduced and you mm. think wow you know he's had to shift Longstaff out of position into eight on the left hand side he's playing Emil Kraft who's had to come on uh, for Fabian Scherer as Dan Byrne moves into the middle and this is really not what Eddie Howe had planned but Sai you called it I'll let you start mate Lewis Miley changed the game is what you said he did I mean uh, if, you, if you go back to, to Scherer going off I think that was bad but for playing against 10 men where yeah. Fulham immediately just reverted to 10 men in the box at all times. And then you've got Dan Byrne and Lascelles at centre-half and they both defended fine, obviously, but they're not going to... They were just happy for them to have the ball and pass it back and forth all day. It was a really frustrating watch first half, albeit we were in control of the game and we just needed a breakthrough, needed a moment of brilliance. I sat with Byrne and uh, Cowley uh, today and we both said at half-time, like, yeah, we're going to score. It's, mm. it's going to come. It's just, you know, we need to be patient, but we also need to maybe start trying to be a bit more proactive be a bit more positive and that's what Lewis Miley brought to the team today I mean against 10 in the first half Joe Linton <laughs> played the best through ball of the game for Alex Wobi and Nelly, and Nelly, <laughs> and Nelly they nearly scored from that but in the second half all of the uh, the passes from Miley and in Longstaff as well to be fair they were both very very positive Bruno found his his passing range as well uh, but that's probably because of all the positive runs that Miley and, and Longstaff were making and Miley in particular everything he does is positive everything he does is confident and brave and um What's the word I'm looking for? Just like mature, courageous, brilliant. All of them. All of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he's he's trying things. It's not just like a a five yard pass, which first off, we were just playing easy, slow passes behind the man. Everything he does is perfect and it's quick and it's it's creating, it's creative. And uh, yeah, he just changed the game in that respect. And then all of the other players around him started to be a bit more positive and everything was quicker. And we were breaking the team down that was trying so hard to resist us and Honestly, it's all been Lewis Miley. And Lewis Miley and Bruno, to be fair, are forming a really, really good partnership. So, uh, like, Bruno clearly either rates him, likes him, loves him, or all of the above, because he laid that go- uh, ball out for Miley for the goal, and mm. then he tried to do it again later. He was um, Miley was in front of him. He was like, get there. The ball was at Bruno's feet, get there. Because Bruno's so bloody good that he can sort of think about and instruct players whilst also dribbling past people. Um, he just so, so wanted Lewis Miley to get another goal. He absolutely loves that kid. And when, when he did get the goal, Miley's celebrating in the Gallagher. And I don't know if, if people noticed, but um, Bruno runs over to Eddie Howe and gives him a massive hug. And there's clearly something gone on there behind the scenes about you two need to kind of work together. There's something, there's a nice partnership here. And it was it was lush to see. It's the stuff in the first half that wasn't working. So Bruno trying to feed in right. Mickey, Bruno trying to feed in Wilson. Those balls just weren't coming off. But Bruno and Miley 
just worked so, so well. Clicked. The thing that impresses me about Lewis Miley was his vision. There was a number of very, very clever reverse balls, balls that weren't obvious. They weren't always the simple passes that he, but he, again, he has that courage to just try them and go for them. And often he, he executes them brilliantly. Mm. And also his technique of whipping a ball in across those, a couple of crosses from the right hand side were incredibly dangerous and he's got just got some whip on it he can get power behind it lovely lovely technique and he's a real asset he's streets ahead he's, he's years ahead of his of his age again first off we didn't get one good cross in the box so he's mm. either over hit under hit first man as soon as Miley comes on and starts basically playing as a, as a right hand forward for, for most of the second half whipping the best balls into the game and, and just putting the best deliveries and the most dangerous balls unbelievable yeah I thought Miley's second half continued where he left off before he was subbed against Milan. Mm. You know, I don't want to go too far back, but uh, it was a strange sub for me on Wednesday night at the time it was. There might have been fatigue issues, there might have been tactical issues that someone like me wouldn't have a clue about. Um, but it just seemed like Miley in the second half against Milan was finally doing what kind of we haven't seen from him in that kind of classic long staff role of, of like you say, si, exploiting space left when Trippier and um, Miggy kind of hug the touchline it leaves this massive gap and Longstaff at his best has always exploited that space and run into it and Miley hasn't done it loads and then against Milan for kind of 15 minutes 20 minutes he does it really well then gets taken off mm-hmm. it just seems like he he's really understood that aspect of the game now and yes the goal comes from there but there were several opportunities before that where like you say Miley gets in there and, it, and it's never wasted it's never sliced behind it's never kind of oh I'll go back to my centre back there's always some sort of plan or some sort of you know picture in his head before he receives the ball about what he should be doing and it, and it asks questions constantly of the mm. of the back four the back five that he's playing against and the goal was just a great moment and it's one of those moments where watching it live he has so much time he has more time than he should do even against uh, 10 men and he has so much time you kind of as time goes on you kind of when he first gets it okay is he gonna is he gonna snatch at it is he gonna hit it too high is he gonna try and play it back across does he have the confidence to take the shot and he just takes a couple of touches to set himself and lets the keeper set himself and then almost pick a side mm. and then smashes it and the keeper's nowhere near. And it's a really mature, confident finish. And probably, you know, without being too high, well, like it's one of those moments you remember for a long time, particularly if he goes on to achieve what we hope he do, will do in the game, being there to witness his first goal in a pressure situation because if he misses that chance. That's the big chance. And once again, Newcastle have failed to, to open up Fulham. Uh, 10 v 11 and yeah the all the words that you uh, collectively decided to come up with to, <laughs> to describe them I would use all of them for that finish there yeah. because it's an emphatic finish and it's a finish that wins the game for Newcastle he's the youngest sorry no no go. I'm sorry um he's the youngest player we've ever had to score for us really in yeah. the whole history wow um youngest ever Premier League scorer Premier League, okay. Premier League scorer 17 years seven months and 15 days well, this is it. I mean, his last couple of months have been, he makes his first assist in the Premier League. He then becomes, I think, the, the youngest English assist maker in the Champions League. And now he's got a goal in the Premier League. Like, he is making waves. He is st- he's, he's making an impact already. And he shouldn't, he shouldn't have been anywhere near the first team, let's be honest. But it's only because of all these injuries that he's there. But he's there and he's stayed there on merit now. And mm-hmm. there's there's major competition for a place in that midfield and it's, it would be very, very hard to drop him. I, mean, I know we need to rotate, obviously, but he is showing like he's been here for at least a couple of seasons. He looks integrated. He looks ready. He looks a very Eddie Howe player and he's getting his he's goals 17. now. 17. It's nuts. 17. 
brilliant from him and he was excellent across the rest of the game uh, like you referenced I suppose we should talk about the other substitution in the game and that's Fabian Shaw goes down mm. that's a huge blow particularly with Sven Botman coming back uh, Shaw goes down and Howe makes the call not to kind of bring on Botman or to bring on Dummett and replace Shaw at left centre back but to bring on Emil Kraft switch Livermento from right back to left back uh, move Dan Byrne into the middle and play Kraft right back now that's a lot of changes for a back mm. four that's a lot of changes and I, I was thinking somewhat at the time, I was like, oh, Fulham probably be quite pleased about that. Couldn't have been more wrong. Fulham be absolutely fucking gutted that to play against Samuel Kraft today because he was absolutely <laughs> yeah. brilliant. This guy's hardly kicked a football for Newcastle since 2022. Severe injury, long, the longest of roads, back a couple of injury setbacks on the way, just as he seemed to get fit. He comes in and plays right back today when Newcastle's, he's third, he's third choice right back for Newcastle behind Trippier and behind Divermento. And they're two pretty good right backs in front of you in terms of getting a game, but I just thought he was absolutely brilliant offensively, defensively, on the ball, off the ball. What a player. And Charlotte, you talked um, you talked to me about the fact that it's just a reminder that everyone who plays for Howe in every position, every level, if you're still at the club for a while, you're just going to be a better footballer because of it. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? You, you, Kraft comes on and Kraft wasn't great before Eddie Howe came to no. Newcastle United. And, and you sort of, like, well, for me personally, I sort of remember that and think, oh no, Kraft's going on. Like, I'm not, I'm not as like, like stomach falling as it was before but it's still a bit like oh is this the right and um and I didn't think it would be a like for like for share because Kraft doesn't tend to play in that sort of um centre-back position so uh, I you know you knew you knew there was going to be some shuffling around but the moment he started you know playing um and the moment he got his you know, touch on the ball and things like that I thought oh yeah of course of course because Eddie Howe makes every player even if you're not playing Lascelles we didn't see Lascelles play properly for like a year and when he got back into the squad because of injury he's a better footballer he's a he's, he's better he's been really good yeah okay <laughs> Not as good as Botman, not as not as not as skilled or or technically able as Botman, but he's better than he was a year ago, and he's a year older, and he's sat on the bench for most of this time, um, and so I just you do have to kind of step back and remember that Eddie Howe has the ability to inspire and make better all of these players. So anyone that's going to come in, he's just he's just working his magic, isn't he? I think it was tactically the right change to make. Yeah. And you're right, it was, you know, it is a gamble if you're shuffling three of your four, four defenders. But when you're playing against 10 men, you need both of your fullbacks to contribute going forward. And Dan Byrne wasn't really going to do that, was he? So bringing on Kraft, who clearly can get forward and, and offer a lot and, and moving Livermore to the other side meant that we had two more additional players to try and break down Fulham, which at the time was really important because I don't know if Dan Byrne scores, but um, I think that was the right thing to do. And Kraft is, is a good player on the ball. He's quick, he can get you. He, he was over. First half, it was just like Kraft overlapping Mickey, overlapping Kraft, overlapping Mickey. They kept overlapping and it's just really, really good to watch, albeit the deliveries were poor, but he just got better and he grew into the game. And yeah, he was, I, I, I now don't know how, how all these players can't get in the team. It's, it's, we were inundated with really good right backs. This is it. And what was good was when we, we knew that Cher was going to have to come off, I was having chats next to me and there was there were a few different ways that Eddie Howe could have gone. He could have mm. brought on Dummett centre-back, left Burn out. He could have took Burn in at centre-back, which is what he ended up doing. Brought Lewis Hall on, for example. There, there were a few different options, which was a, a luxury. But I think, to, you know, what you're alluding to there, Charlotte, the, the unity of this squad and the fact that Eddie Howe, maybe intentionally or just because of necessity out of an injury, he's been able to include everybody in the squad and give them all a role and they're all as important as each other. And we, the, the fact that we could bring on somebody like Kraft today, and we needed him, we needed him to come on and, and play well, and he did. And 
that that's that, that speaks to a Eddie Howe squad management and keeping those players like Lascelles, like you say, being out of the picture for so long for him to step in and then just almost play the last sort of couple of months flawlessly for a player that I was highly critical of. That is. That's that's a testament to the coaching. It's a testament to the culture at the squad totally. that everyone feels involved, and then they can, when st- when called upon, they can step up and perform. And that's where the, a victory like this came from today. I think that mentality. I'm just going to throw something in. That mentality um, you can also see from Dubravka because Dubravka fucked off and went to Man United last season and was like buzzing to go to Man United and called them United and then like um, posted a picture of himself sitting on a really uncomfortable looking chair watching Man United's <laughs> game and was like love my team United and then um, and then he had to come back they sacked him off and he came back and he's you know it, it he either he could have felt both by himself or like by the rest of the team he could have been a bit like you know like ostracized ostracized what you you are a bit of a turncoat you know you can see how that might happen but actually that didn't happen he's continued training with the squad the squad welcomed him back this is just it just seems like a really great atmosphere and now he's playing for us yes because nick pope's injured but um there's there's a there's a unity there's a togetherness that is just i, I think quite a special thing so Newcastle play the majority of that game and win that game with four of their regular back five out. Mm. So there's only Dan Byrne, and he's playing out of position once the changes are made. That would be in Eddie Howe's first choice, and to keep a clean sheet, albeit 10 v 11, but to kind of dominate and win the game and look so defensively comfortable, there ain't many Premier League sides able to do that. So that was really positive. I'm going to leave it there for part two of the show, part three coming back after a couple more ads. Speak to you then. In talking about this win, I think Bruno Gomares has a, a, a key role to play. And first half, he's, he's maybe everything that's wrong with the team playing 11v10. That might be harsh because he's trying harder than anyone to try and unlock the opposition. And second half, I think, when he, when he runs across to Howe Charlotte after the, the first goal, mm. I, my take on that was Howe has said to him at halftime, just run with it, Bruno. You're allowed to, to carry the ball. You don't just have to pop it off. You don't have to find a cross. You don't have to find an angle. You're hard to dispossess and you have ability on the ball. If you drive into their penalty box, things will happen. And and that was my take. And Adam, you want to talk about Bruno and also just the fact that Newcastle through the middle of the pitch today and the spine of the team was so strong. Absolutely. I mean, start from the back. Dubravka, he had a really, really confident performance today. He was clutching crosses. Look, we know that his the, the command of his area isn't his, isn't his strong point. He's better with his feet, obviously, but he was claiming everything. And that's going to breed confidence in a, even in a makeshift back, back four, as you've alluded to. Um, I thought Lascelles was winning everything in the air and yes. his strength and his physicality against Raul Jimenez for as long as he was on the pitch. And even Wilson up the top was, was battling against two absolutely massive centre-backs, but he was, we, we, we were bullying them. And I thought that Joe Linton would be the, the centre of our physicality in the middle of the pitch. And obviously he went off and we felt, felt like a bit of a void when he went off, but, but Bruno used his physicality in, in, in so well. He was evading their midfield. They couldn't get near him. And, you know, he had the most passes in the game today. He had the most he, joint, most created um, chances created, most attacking third passes, most take-ons today, Bruno. He was at the heart of everything. He orchestrated this win. He drove it. Um, and I think he was back to his best. We saw him in his, in his world-class best, his ability to 
dribble around players to to absorb the pressure and, and release the ball just the right moment and open up space for others. He, his, his vision, he was trying to make things happen. He was trying to whip crosses in. He was trying to feed his players. It was all coming through Bruno. And that was a performance that I think was one of the best I've seen in a, in, a, in a Newcastle shirt, that second half performance. He was magnificent today. I really, really thought he was at the heart of everything good that we did in that second half. I agree. And I also think that these are the moments when you need your world-class players, if they are indeed world-class, to step up. That's This is it. Your team is struggling at half-time against 10 men. There is a little bit of baggage there from earlier in the season. Eddie Howe, I think, speaks to everyone at half-time and says, listen, we, we need you to do more. It, you know, you are doing a lot, but you're doing a lot in safe areas of the pitch that Fulham are happy for you to be. I really like, actually, even though it doesn't lead to a goal, the Bruno pass to Wilson where he hits the post. Mm. That's classic Bruno from, from kind of first season, first half of last season. Picks the ball up, head up, brilliant pass, nearly a goal situation. Fulham in the first half are okay with him picking the ball up from Jamal Lascelles and then looking for a pass, switching the play, waiting for, waiting for their kind of... Uh, the shape to take place and then it being laid back to Bruno kind of 10 years forward and we've lost 40 seconds and Fulham were okay with that they weren't okay second half mm-hmm. like you said Si with Bruno Miley link up and ultimately you know today Newcastle you know Anthony Gordon came off on Wednesday and was a doubt for today and he doesn't have kind of his best Newcastle game or his most dangerous and it's really positive that that doesn't kind of fundamentally harm the team because mm-hmm. Bruno steps up when Gordon isn't having his biggest game. Sometimes Miggy steps up. Uh, sometimes Alex- Alexander is actually a man, just like he was kind of against Chelsea. And uh, you were really impressed by Callum Wilson today, Si, weren't you? Yeah, it's definitely the best game he's had in, in, in a while. Um, he looks fully fit again. He really does. Um, I thought, like Adam said, their, their two centre-halves are massive and he was he was their match. You know, uh, they, were, they were bullying him a bit, but he was finding little turns. He was, he was brilliant. Like his close control was excellent today. And he was really unlucky not to get his goal. I mean, that one at the post was a great chance, but first half he has a good one as well. Um, and yeah, I thought he was linking up well. He seemed to be in sync with Bruno. Everyone was, everyone was in sync with Bruno because he was literally, uh, he was like dictating the entire game of football. But I thought that's the best we've seen from Wilson and really glad we've got a centre forward who seems fit to to play some games of football. Um, I don't know what's going on with Isaac. I'm a bit worried about that. But if, if we've got Wilson, Wilson playing like that, good enough to play against um you know we, there's been questions about whether he's champions league quality and i think he was very quiet in any of the champions league games he played maybe that's a little bit above his level but he can absolutely put fulham to bed i back him to, to score at chelsea away next uh on, on tuesday at games like this are wilson's bread and butter newcastle at home lots of the ball he will keep endeavoring and right towards the end didn't get his goal but he was involved and yeah i, I thought he was, he was excellent today he uh isaac has groin apparently um He's been playing, he hasn't been 100%, but he's been playing anyway, so mm. they're just trying to protect him. It's not like something that we all, but that's Eddie Howe, so Isaac's probably like in the hospital. Um, and also what I was going to say is you were talking earlier to me, Alex, about um, Wilson and his just his just ribbing of the, of the centre-backs that he was against. Please tell us all. No, Wilson today against, uh, like you said, they are massive. They're mm. big lads. And Wilson just all game was in a battle with, with both of them and one in particular. And the, it's not just the physical battle, it's the mental battle against Wilson because mm. he's just got to have the last word. <laughs> yeah. Like they'll be talking to each other 
and then they'll be arguing and then like a throwing will happen and there'll be silence and then Wilson will just say something else at the end of it. Like he just, <laughs> he just can't, he just can't let it go. He has to have the last word and he really got under the skin of those centre-backs today to the extent where in the first half he wasn't getting much joy from him. In the second half, he was constantly winning free kicks and I think that the string of attacking free kicks Newcastle have at the start of the second half really put Fulham on the back foot because they just felt completely penned in and that space opens up for Miley and I think Wilson was a part of that and he wins some of those free kicks really, really nicely. I want to talk about the atmosphere a little bit, Charlotte. You referenced it earlier. You know, it's, it's really hard on these podcasts to talk about atmosphere because, number one, we're in the ground, so it's hard to kind of understand uh, how listeners feel, whether you watched on home, whether you didn't watch, whether you were in the ground, what part of the ground you were in. But there, there's been a lot of criticism this season, particularly mm. of Newcastle's home and away atmosphere, and, and we've done some of the criticising, I suppose. But I did, I do agree with you, Charlotte, that today, I thought in first half, right from the off, really loud crowd, the corner today was brilliant. It always is, but it was especially good today. And I thought the second half, the crowd reacted to the situation and really got behind the lads. Eddie Howe's black and white army was was pumping out for kind of a good five minute period to kind of lift the players for a big push to get that first goal, which they did get because once Newcastle scored one today, they were always going to go on to win the game. And then Charlotte, you were really happy and impressed and delighted that um, Jason Tindall's got his moment. Yeah, Jason Tindall gets his moment every week, to be clear. But um, yeah, the repurposed Rafa Benitez song, um, the uh, Wham's Last Christmas was for the last sort of 10 minutes. The corner started it and everybody around me was um, was waiting to like, li- li- what, what is it? Because it's, it's last Christmas, it's the main chorusy bit. Um, this year to save me from tears. I'll give it to Jason Tyndall. And, uh, and once that, everybody realised that's what was being said. Everyone around me was was creased. Everybody was laughing. Everybody started joining in. Pretty much the whole stadium was singing it at one point because we were winning. It was fun. It was amazing. And, like, that's the thing that sort of stuck with me today is this... Yeah, it's serious. We take it seriously. We make a podcast about it. We make content about it. But um, it's also supposed to be fun. This is supposed to be fun. And a game like this, where it was so comfortable, where where two local boys, one of them 17 years old, score goals. Um, it, this is fun. This is really, really fun. It's right before Christmas. It's the last home game before Christmas. Let's just fucking have some fun. And it was so funny. And I was like trying to see if, if Mad Dog was listening and could hear it and was laughing, but c- couldn't really see his face properly. But I was like, at this point, he's got to have heard it. And then uh, Chris Woff tweeted earlier that um, in the press conference, Eddie Howe said that, I don't, I don't know it. I don't, uh, don't know what that was about. I've got no idea. But uh, Jason's still singing it in the changing room <laughs> now, so that's made my day. That he's just singing that about himself, but also that the potentially that Eddie has never heard that song. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of an aha fan, though, isn't it? So, yeah. <laughs> I thought the atmosphere today was was better than it was on Wednesday, and that is really I strange. And I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Are we just a really anxious bunch because at Champions League was so important? That game was so big. It maybe just got the better of us as, as fans. And today, I think everyone understood that this was really important. We had to win today. We really needed to win. And it, it felt like everyone was willing the team on way more than, than they have done recently in, in, in a very strange way. The atmosphere was way more positive. Like you said, Dodds, um, Eddie Howe's black one on me pretty much the, the whole time in the corner. Um, and just quite positive when, when things weren't quite working out. There was a lot of like that kind of roar of, yeah, come on, we're going to do this. Like it, it felt like the the crowd understood that the team needed them a bit more at the minute and it was a bit of yeah. love after the week we've had a bit more kind of you know come on we're still together we're still it really felt different today in, in a good way i actually found first half and i said this to half time around people next to me i actually i actually said if there was one game that Merdad maybe had a point about it's probably 
it was probably this game because at the time I can remember passages of play where you could literally, all you could hear was the Fulham fans shushing. Um, it went flat. Yeah. It did for a period. So there was, there was moments like that, but obviously the second half I think was a completely different um, situation altogether. But yeah, I think, listen, the crowd is always going to react to what they're seeing on the pitch and, and how, and how the game's going. That the context is everything, but yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic second half and, the Jason Tindall song at the end was just icing on the cake, so wasn't it? Good. Icing on the Christmas cake. Speaking of fun, Miguel Almiron's goal's hilarious. Who <laughs> <laughs> do you think about being Defensive a, comedy. Yeah, a footballer at this level and how hard Premier League goals are to come by. And poor Miggy, he gets a lot of stick on social media and, you know, it's hard, isn't it? And he kind of sco- He's kind of a scorer of great goals rather than a great goal scorer. And he's a mister of big chances and he's a failure of crosses on his right foot <laughs> or passes or shots and then all of those things are true and then all of a sudden the the, the ball just falls at your feet 60 yards from goal and no one's in front of you and it's the, the game's over and the game's won and in a similar vein in a similar comedic vein Dan Burns goal which is great but I thought Dan Burns brilliant today absolutely yeah. brilliant talk about and you know we have all heard that since um post Milan game he was asked about being back in the team and he's basically said he would love to a couple more weeks for his back to heal properly. Um, it's an important part of your body, your back, your spine. And he, he comes in today, he plays left back. I thought he was he was really good at left back. I thought he moved the ball very quickly and it caused Fulham loads of problems first half. And then at centre back, just nothing got past him whatsoever. And then he scores the goal and it's kind of a, a rebound header. And I really like that the Fulham goalkeeper is moaning at the linesman. He's moaning at the referee. Forgetting that replays exist and, and literally make you just in the goal. Like for the second one, when he, re, when he heads it back, you've just for some reason retreated into the goal. It's the opposite of what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I think the ball's already in before Dan Byrne actually makes contact with him. Like, so the, it's a goal before he like clatters through the keeper. And who, I think there's other players as well, but Dan Byrne just sort of plows through the, everything and it just like the whole thing goes in the goal. Just like a and, huge footballing robot just sort of like sm- just bundling yeah, the ball through. The same keeper for the Miggy goal, like what's he doing? He just sort yeah. of dives out of the way while um, Robinson, uh, Robinson, the left back? Yes. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good by the way. He's, he's rapid, but he, he's clattered Wilson, so that's a penalty anyway. Yeah, I think and I don't, I don't know where the keeper's going, but it's hilarious <laughs> that all of that happens and then Wilson's on the floor and Miggy's just like, oh, cheers, I'll score. So I think Miggy was having a one of those days where he was frustrating he the was. crowd and then he, he gets the goal. But that's what you get from Miggy. You can work hard for 60 minutes, make some mistakes, and he's still there to, to finish the, the important chance. What I liked about um, Gordon's involvement in that second goal was, I think, just before just before he received the ball, he made a, a really um, distinct decision to, to come infield. He decided to come away from left wing and he came central. I think Bruno then fed him and then it was from then that he was able to be part of that little winding run that, that where he kind of like slipped the ball through that obviously Wilson completely missed, the keeper completely missed and Miggy ended up finishing. So I think he, he will unwittingly get an assist for that, which it seems impossible given how, uh, given that it was quite, quite a weak kind of pass through. Um, um, but I thought he, even though Gordon has looked a bit knackered and obviously he's trying to shake off that knock and probably wouldn't have played if Barnes had been around, um, but for him to to make an impact and to have a decisive impact on a game where he's you know maybe not as, as one of his quieter games, but he still was able to um, get some joy by switching it up mid-game, coming inside, coming centrally, and Fulham didn't know what to do with it and they couldn't stop it. And that was kind of two goals, the first two goals coming from a little individual brilliance from dribbles from Bruno and and, and Gordon to slip it through, and then. And then finishes from that. So yeah, some some comparisons there from 
we leave it there for this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll be back post-Chelsea on Tuesday night. Uh, if you like what we do, come and join us on Patreon and the Patreon app. It's three to eight pounds a month. It keeps this show alive, and we'd be mega grateful to you. Speak to you all on Tuesday. Bye-bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.